0: Amen. Thank you, Matt. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter seven, uh, as we are uh, getting very close to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm, uh, I'm actually, I'm really sad that we're we're almost done. Uh, I uh, I was thinking just a couple days ago. I'm like, man, how long do I have to wait before I can uh, preach this text again? Like, do I have to wait ten years? Can I do it in seven? Maybe five? Even uh, it has been. Uh, it's been so good for, uh, for me, I hope for you as well. We're starting in verse 13. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Choose God's kingdom by entering through the narrow gate since it is the only way to life and false prophets, uh, and, and false prophets among you seek to destroy you. Right? So choose God's kingdom by entering through the narrow gate since it's the only way that leads to life and false prophets among you seek to destroy you. I don't know about you, but uh, when I go to someone's house for the first time, uh, if they have a bookshelf, I always like to look at it. I, I like to uh, to see the books that that they read, or at least purchase to make it look like they read them, um, and, and the, the authors that uh, that 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 they that they seem to gravitate towards. Or uh, or if I could, maybe I'd, I'd take your phone and i I just scroll through your social media. I don't mean that in an intimidating way. I mean because I I just love to. See see like who you're following, what, what you're interested in, what you're, you're into, or, or maybe looking through your podcast library and, and, and checking out what kind of shows you like to listen to, uh, what, what kind of topics you are interested in. Uh, there are a ton of voices in this world uh, that, that are trying to influence us. Uh, they're trying to influence us towards something, and I wonder who's influencing you. And, and what direction, what, what road are they trying to take you down? Jesus is really clear about this life, right? there's, there's only two roads. There's the one that leads to life and the one that leads to death and destruction. So which are you on right now? The, the road you're on right now, do you even know where it's going? Verse 13, Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way, uh, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Uh, we've talked about the the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving this invitation to live life as, as he created you to live, this life of flourishing. And, and I was thinking about uh, the passage last week that, that Alex preached on. It, it ends with the golden rule, and, and even that, like it's, it, it's, it's life-giving, right? If we, if we live that way, man, there's life in that. Jesus didn't phrase the golden rule in the negative, right? He didn't say, don't do unto others what you don't want them to do unto you, right? That would just be this long list, of all of these shouldn'ts, right? All these things that that we shouldn't do, which I think so many people think that that's what the Christian life is. It's just this list of don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And and yes, there are are things that that we know, yeah, we shouldn't do those, but but man, Jesus calls us to so much more, right? He didn't phrase it in the negative. He he phrased it positively. He says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And and, and I think if we look at it, even though it's just a a subtle shift or it might look subtle, it, it, It makes a huge difference. There's life in that. It's an invitation to be a part of what God wants to do in this world, what God is doing in this world, to be a part of God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The Pharisees had list after list after list of all the things not to do. Right, they dripped with legalism. And I think Alex was right on last week when, when he said, living like a Pharisee, that's, that's the easier way. Or it's easier to have righteousness that, that looks right externally, at least from a distance. But on the inside, there's no change. There's just filth and, and corruption. What's harder is the righteousness that, that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees that Jesus talks about in this sermon, right? That is both the, the external, the outer, right? What we do, how we, how we live out our lives and the internal, who we are, right? right? What, what our heart beats for, what, how we think, where, what we trust in, where our hope is. So Jesus continues along these lines. He talks about this wide gate, this gate of external righteousness, right, working really hard to, to look like you've got it together. right. Going through this gate, it's, it's the person that trusts in themselves. It's, it's self-salvation. They trust in the philosophies and the ideologies that feel right to you. This gate, it says that you're the one calling the shots. Through this gate, you're the judge of, of what is good. Along this road, is the message that you are good enough. This is the easy way. It's the way that, that makes sense to us naturally. It's easier to hear and believe that you're good, that you're all right, as is. many will choose this way. But the narrow gate is hard. Those who choose the narrow gate recognize that we aren't Lord over anything, certainly not over ourselves. Going through the narrow gate recognizes, like Jesus says, that that just not being a murderer or an adulterer is not good enough. No, this gate requires that you follow not only the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law, what God always intended in the law. That your actions and your heart, they're changed by Christ. And and, and continuously, Christ is, is changing you. That your entire life, it is to be this offering to God that, that you submit all of who you are to Christ, not, not just the parts you're comfortable with. This gate lets Jesus shape you. It, it shapes how you see the world. The narrow gate is for those who, who are bankrupt spiritually, right? who recognize that they're, they we're poor in spirit, those who, who see that the righteousness that, that they can muster isn't good enough. In fact, it's not even good. The narrow gate is for people who hunger and thirst for a righteousness that on their own they can't have. It's a righteousness that Jesus offers. And this gate is hard. It's a gate that requires self-denial. It requires sacrifice. This gate and this road lead to persecution because you, you, you've hitched your wagon to Jesus. You're following him. Those who go through this gate are merciful, even though it's not convenient, even though there's a cost to it. People go through, through this gate, turn the other cheek, even though that initial slap really hurt. Many people choose the wide gate and the wide road. It's the path of least resistance. And let's be honest, we don't want this life to be any harder than it already is. But Jesus warns that that road, that, that wide gate, that wide road leads to destruction. And, and you might notice that the, the tone of the sermon It is intensified here as Jesus is wrapping up. Right, This week's passage, next week's passage, it's it's like he's cranked cranked it up to 10. We were just talking about doing good unto others, and now we're talking about destruction. That's where this, this road leads, destruction. The narrow gate, he says, it's hard to see. Not many will find it. It's so small that it might feel like the eye of a needle, like going through this little gate would be impossible. Most won't choose it, which I don't think he means quantity there, right? What do you, the quantity of people that will be saved, right? We look at Revelation, and clearly there will be tons of people that are sitting around the throne worshiping God. Myriads and myriads, too many for us to count, but more will choose the wide gate and the wide road. We like a wide road. It's comfortable. Squeezing through a narrow gate might be uncomfortable, but a narrow road can be absolutely terrifying. Uh, Lindsay and I, for our honeymoon, we went to Maui. I'd never been to Hawaii before, so I'm asking all kinds of people that had been, like, hey, what should we do there? And you hear all these kind of touristy things that, that you should do in your time there, and one of those that we heard about over and over again is the road to Hana. Um, it's, this, it, it's this gorgeous road. It takes, like, I don't know, probably half the day to, to drive this road, or maybe it's longer than that even, um, it, but, but it's, it's a scary road. Um, there are parts where it is a one-lane road. And I don't mean one lane each direction. I mean one stinking lane. And it seems to always be on a cliff, right? And these cliffs, and I, I, I looked this up, so I'm not exaggerating here. These cliffs are anywhere from 100 feet to 300 feet. And they very rarely have guardrails. That's fun. Um, they're not always paved. They're, they're bumpy, right? So here I am with my new bride, Trying to keep us alive on this gorgeous drive that I kind of regret. If you don't like narrow roads and heights, this would be the wrong place for you to be. When Jesus describes the way on this narrow road and he says it's hard, he means it, he's not exaggerating. Following Jesus at times might feel like you're driving next to a cliff on a one-way road, one-way road without guardrails. And, oh, by the way, there's a car coming the other direction. And because of the golden rule, you're the one who's going to figure out how to drive backwards on this road and let them pass because that's what you really wish they would do unto you. Right? The narrow gate and road are hard, Jesus tells us. Now, on the other hand, in Matthew 11:29 29 and 30, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The way of following Jesus is hard, but we do not follow him on our own power. Part of following Jesus is learning to rest In Jesus, we're trusting that Jesus will hold us, that at times he will carry us along, that he will give us what we need. He doesn't just say good luck and then send us on our way. This gate and this road, this narrow road, Jesus says, this is the one. This is the only one that leads to life. And today or next week or next month or a year from now, it might not feel like life but when, when this life is over, there will be no mistaking what it means to have life in Christ, to have life eternal. There will be likely many times on the narrow road that you question, is this worth it? Or, or can I really keep going? Or any number of doubts might, might flood our minds, but Jesus promises this road leads to life, to knowing God, our creator, to having fellowship with God forever, to dwell, to dwell with our Lord. John ten nine Jesus says, I am the door. And, and that word could be translated gate. So I'm the door or gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Salvation is only through Christ. Life is only in Jesus. There is no other way. And those who give their life to Jesus, their whole person, their whole self will be saved. They've entered into Christ. And he says, they'll find pasture. Right, Matt read for us Psalm 1. And, and it, seems, uh, it seems like Jesus must have had Psalm 1 in mind uh, as, as, uh, as he was talking in, in the verses we're in today. I know Matt read it, but I want to read it again. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, right? So there's a, there's a road he's walking, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of, of scoffers. So blessed is the man who doesn't walk that wide road, but, but chooses the narrow road. Verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates on it day and night. He delights. In Christ, who's the fulfillment of the law. The the psalmist describes life in verse three, he says, He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that He does, He prospers. I read that earlier this week, and man, I want that. that's, That's what I want to be this tree planted next to this, I imagine a very peaceful stream and it's giving you all the water that you need so you can produce fruit like you were made to do. Verse four, he says, "'The wicked are not so, but are like chaff "'that the wind drives away.'" Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's two roads. The wide gate and the wide road leads to destruction. There will be judgment. And if you're judged on your works, you will not stand. But if you are in Christ, you are judged on his good works. He died for you and He lived for you, right? Because you couldn't live a good enough life to withstand this this judgment that's coming. So he lived for you without sin, perfectly honoring the Father, perfectly obeying the Father. I don't know about you, but in life, when, when I'm presented with, with some kind of issue or, or choices, so often I'm looking for a middle way, right? I, I, wanna, I wanna figure out another way. I don't know if that's like my pride trying to show that I can find a, a better way, but there is no middle way here. There's two choices. It's life or death. Just like Moses told Israel back in Deuteronomy 30, right? he gathers Israel together and, and he says there's two choices, right? There's, there's life and goodness, or there's death and evil. And following God is life in every other way, every other way, no matter how promising it looks, right? No matter what it, what it says it will do for you, it, it leads to death. And he pleads with them, he says, choose life today. And when it's put that way, why, why would you choose anything but life? Why would you choose this road that, that leads to death and destruction? Verse 15, Jesus says, beware false prophets. And we'll we'll pause right there. When Jesus warns you about something, you would be wise to pay attention. And and there's this part of me that that thinks I shouldn't even have to, we shouldn't have to say this, but uh, I've been a Christian long enough. I've I've been in conversations with Christians for long enough to know that sometimes we're so quick to trust a a person or a person pastor or an author or, or a podcaster uh, because they say they're Christians or, or we hear a couple words like like Bible and pray and, and Jesus and, and love and and we go oh you, you you're one of us right we, we can trust what you're saying there are a ton of people that, that that claim Jesus but one day we'll hear Jesus say to them away from me I never knew you Jesus knew there would be false prophets right not just not just false preachers on TV. I'm not saying every TV preacher's bad, but they're, they're a lot. Um, uh, or, or not just like false authors or, or people doing podcasts. No, they're even gonna infiltrate the church, we find out throughout the New Testament. He tells his disciples and those in the crowd to be aware. Right? Be aware of, of these, these teachers, these voices that you're taking in. Right, beware, Be aware of who is influencing you. Be Beware of, of how your mind and your heart being shaped, or, or the biblical word is being discipled. So we must be discerning, right? Don't buy into a false gospel. Paul tells the Thessalonians in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, he says, test everything and hold fast to what is good, right? We have to be discerning. We have to test. It's, it's hard to test, though, when, when you don't know uh, what you're looking for. In the pandemic, obviously uh, our schedules kind of all got (laughs) wiped out and we suddenly had free time. And I don't know if you picked up a new hobby. A lot of people did, I did. I'm a little embarrassed by my hobby. it's sports card collecting I feel like I'm a 10 year old boy uh, all over again I'm, I'm like buying basketball cards uh, uh, it's it's kind of silly I know um, the the hobby though I'm not the only one the hobby has exploded in the last two years but particularly in the the pandemic um, and, and sports card collecting has been around for a long long time I did it when I was a little kid but people before uh, my generation did it. Uh, the, the people before us, though, uh, I hear that, that you put your cards in the spokes of your bike tires, bike wheels, so I think that it would sound like a motorcycle. Um, my generation wised up and, and said, well, if I'm collecting these things, I want them to be in good shape. And and, and, and the thought was that someday they would be worth something. And that inclination was, was right, um, but it's bonkers today. Um, So I've learned a lot in the past several months as I've gotten back into this. There are services right now that you send your card to and they grade them, right? All kinds of cards, even Pokemon cards. It's crazy. Um, So you you send them to get uh, one to verify that the card's like not a reprint, that it hasn't been tampered with and they grade them, right? The grade tells you how, how, how uh, pristine this card is and it helps assess value to it. So um, the, the number one grading company right now is, is PSA and they just sold a few months ago for $700 million, right? This is like big, big deal, okay? They're, uh, they're so backed up from, from all these guys my age that jumped into the hobby and are sending cards in that they have a 10 million card backlog right now. Right. They won't even, you can't even, they used to have an economy service that you could send a card in for kind of cheap. They've gotten rid of that until this summer. And right now, if you want a card grade, you have to pay $300, right? To get a card grade. It's ridiculous. Obviously I'm not doing that. Um, uh, But uh, so I knew that, that, that uh, that what your card looked like, the condition mattered, um, but but I didn't really understand. I, I just saw these grades of like a tens the best, and it, if if your card gets a ten, the value of your card is instantly like three to five x more valuable. It, it's it's unbelievable. But if you get a nine. It, you might not even get your money out of the card that you bought and then sent off to get graded. You might have to wait a while for the value uh, to, to gain. So you have to carefully examine your card. And when I was a kid, you're just worried about the corners, but now it's the corners, it's the edges, it's the, the centering of the print on the card. Like if it's too far one way or the other within millimeters, you're not getting a 10, right? The, the surface, you, you take a, this is so dumb, but I'm gonna tell you, you take uh, an LED light and you move it all these different directions to see if there's like some minute surface air that, that, that would downgrade your card. And if so, you don't send it off. And when I started getting back into this, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to test it. Jesus says, they're false prophets. You gotta be, you gotta know how to test. You gotta be discerning, verse 15, right? Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. Right? They're disguised. They look good. They sound right. These false prophets don't look like whatever our, our, our preconceived idea of a false prophet is. Right? They're, they're, they look the part. They sound like a Christian. They, they say a lot of the words that we would expect to hear from, from churchgoers. But inside, they're killers. They're ravenous wolves. Right? Wolves eat sheep. Right? When, when a wolf is near a sheep, its only goal is to kill it and eat it. And Jesus is comparing these false prophets to these sheep killers. There are all kinds of voices. In our world, trying to shape us, they're vying for our attention. Uh, our world is is strange today in so many ways. But w- one of the strange things to me is there are people making a lot of money off a job called uh, being an influencer. Right? And I don't know if you've heard of that before. I talked about it once months ago. But uh, they're they're on social media. They try to gather a following, and then eventually companies will, will pay them to like wear their product or or, or talk about their location or, or whatever it is and, and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars some of these influencers and, and maybe maybe you're following some influencers maybe you're not but but i wonder who or what in this world is influencing you or or, or to say it biblically who who is discipling you and i don't I don't only mean when it comes like Christian books or, or sermons or articles or podcasts. I mean, who, who are you listening to? Who are you taking in? And, and I'm, I'm also not saying only, only listen to Christian things, right? No, um, I, we need to be discerning with, with everything. And sometimes some of the stuff labeled Christian might even be more dangerous because it's so far off of the gospel. But everything that we take in shapes us. So are you aware? Are you testing what you're taking in? And we've we've talked about this several times in the past year, but everyone is being discipled. Everyone in this world, whether you know Jesus or not, you are being shaped, you're being discipled. Now, if that discipleship is leading you towards Jesus, that's great, but is it? Are these influences in your life leading you to Christ? Who is discipling you and and what are they discipling you towards? Discipleship and, and influence, it's directional. Right? Influencers are trying to lead you to something, right? even if it's just this, this product, but there's a worldview behind what they're doing. right? They're, they're trying to sell you on, hey, if you look this way, if you have this thing, man, then your life will be good. Then you'll be happy. Who are you listening to? Right? The, the authors you read, the, the podcast, the, the music, the movies, the news, everything you're taking in. I heard someone ask the question the other day, oh, okay, so you're, if you're reading your Bible and praying like X number of minutes a day, let's say 30 minutes a day, good. But, but how, how is, is the, the hours you spend on, on Hulu or Netflix or, or YouTube or TikTok or Facebook or whatever, how is that counteracting your time with the Lord? Is your time with the Lord drowned out by these other influences? The false prophets, they wanna feed on you. There's real danger my guess is uh, if you're here that you want to follow Jesus, do you know him, right? Can you test the, the prophets of this age because you know him so well, right? It's crucial that, that we have a steady diet of the word, that we are feasting on the word regularly. So this is why we have things like men's Bible study on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings before service at 8.30 and in room five, we have the adult, uh, the adult Sunday school class, um, this is why we started Sunday nights at Harvest, right? Every Sunday night, six to eight, uh, there's there's a group of us here. It's open to everybody to come. Uh, we're, we're starting a little pitch for tonight. We're starting uh, the book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I think we have like four copies left. If, if you wanted to buy one today, um, uh, you could read the first two chapters and, and, and be caught up with us. Uh, I know that we have we have community groups that meet, and some are still meeting on Zoom. Some are meeting in person now. I know that, that there are many of you, you've told me, like just kind of organically, you, you me and a friend started reading God's word together. Like we we, we have to know God's word. We, we have to be able to discern what, what, is, what is true, what is really pointing us to Christ, and, and what is a false gospel. The church. The body of Christ, it's critical for helping us grow and to continue in Jesus. We need each other. No one just instantly knows how to follow Jesus. Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We're, we're helping each other know what is of Christ and what is, of not, and what is not of Christ. Do you know what you're looking for? Right? To test the, the influencers of our age. Verse 16, Jesus says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or, or figs from thistles? No. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. And for a long time, I assumed that this was a new thought that he was, Jesus was shifting here. But he's still talking about discerning the false prophets, discerning those who, who are pointing you to Jesus and those who are not. So Jesus makes it kind of simple here. There will be fruit. A healthy tree will bear healthy fruit and a diseased tree will bear bad fruit. You find bad fruit and you stay away from that tree. Verse 18, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So you gotta look at the the fruit, as Jesus calls it, right? But fruit takes time to develop. It, It can take months and months for fruit to mature. If you look at fruit from a distance, it might look good until you get up close. So one question is, well, what is the fruit? And certainly some of the fruit is the actual words, right, that these false prophets are saying. We've got to ask ourselves, are their words congruent with God's word? We have to think critically. right? Think about Satan in the garden with Adam and Eve. If you were in Adam's place or in Eve's place, and the serpent comes to you, and he twists God's word, would you, would you be able to spot the deception? Or we think about Jesus being tempted by Satan and over and over again. What Satan did is he, he twisted God's word, and, and Jesus countered it by rightly applying God's word. Some of the fruit we inspect is, has to be what they teach, what they're saying. Right? If, if the influencer that you're following is, is just selling uh, you on you, 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 right? If it's, if it's all about becoming the best version of yourself, if, if they're pumping you up to, with these messages about how good you are, how worthy you are, that's not pointing you to Jesus. I get nervous that we spend so much time in introspection, Right? And so little time meditating on how great our God is. I tell you, growth is good. We would grow a lot more if we just spent a lot more time looking at, at, at God. Spent time meditating on, on how great our God is. We would learn a lot about ourselves. Also in the context of this sermon, this fruit has to be this whole person righteousness that we've been talking about from the first week. Right? The fruit of the Pharisees look good, but upon closer inspection, it's this shallow righteousness. It's external. It's letter of the law. It's all about their glory. Their hearts were not after God. They only appeared to care about God. Right? They came to synagogue. They knew the right words. They knew how to look the part. Maybe at one time they really did want to worship the Lord, but over time they realized it's it's easy to look the part, but not be devoted. Being devoted to God with all of who you are is a much harder road. If you've been sold a brand of Christianity that is less than giving God all of who you are, that's a false gospel. That is more like the scribes and Pharisees. Following Jesus is giving him every aspect of who we are. No, no part is, is off limits. No part is left untouched. We offer our entire life to the one who laid his down for ours. Verse 19, he says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Man, I get this. I have two stupid apple trees right now that for nine years, they have not given me one stinking apple. One of them, I walked by just yesterday and it just like made me mad. I, I just, like I loathe that tree. It's got a couple flowers this year, so there's potential. The other one actually looks really promising, but I'm telling you, if they don't give me apples this year, I just want to rip them out of the ground and put like a little shrub in that I know won't give me anything. Jesus, Jesus says, the trees that don't bear good fruit, they'll be cut down, they'll be thrown into the fire. I wonder what kind of fruit are you bearing? Are you bearing fruit of Christ's kingdom? Are you producing the fruit of a person who's found the narrow gate? When someone sees you, do they see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven? I want to close with this final observation. It's, it's really interesting to me that as Jesus is winding down the sermon, right, after all of this, this great teaching, he now warns them about false teachers. Right, saying, we've got to be wise. Don't be fooled by the one who, 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 who talks about God who makes great arguments. Don't be fooled by the one that seems to be like like a man of the people. Look closely, look at his fruit and determine if he is what he appears. And I have to think that there's some people in the crowd, some of the disciples that that had one of those aha moments, like, wait a second, Jesus, Jesus is kind of like that. He's a man of the people. He's hanging out with the marginalized People hang on his words. At times, Jesus is like a rock star with these crowds just just gathering around him just to hear him or or even touch just his robe. At least some of the people must have connected the dots and wondered, is Jesus the real deal or is he a false prophet? And, And that's exactly what Jesus wanted. It's this invitation. It's an invitation to you to look closely at Jesus and figure out if he's really the son of God or not, if the road that he's talking about really leads to eternal life, or not, if the road that he's taking us down this narrow way that leads to to knowing our Creator and being with Him forever, if he is he is he truly the Messiah? Because if he is, he's worthy of giving your whole self to. He's the only one who can save you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, I, I truly have loved studying this sermon, getting to talk about this sermon, just meditating on this sermon. Lord, we, um, or I pray, Lord, that, that we would choose life, God. That, that you would lead us to this narrow gate that, that we need your help to even find. God, I thank you that you reveal yourself. And I pray that for every person here, every person that's, that's watching online, God, that, that we would clearly see the two choices and that we would reject the, the road that even though it's easy, it leads to death and destruction. We would, we would want to know our God, that we would want to, to know our creator and, and enjoy fellowship and, and communion with you. God, I pray that we would be a, a people that, that, that are like that, that tree planted by the stream that, that man, you're just producing fruit in us, fruit in this life that, that points to how great you are, Jesus, that points other people to this, this narrow road that leads to life, even though it's really hard. God, would you do that? We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray, amen.